let's turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 4. We're going to talk about the fear of man. There are many fears in the earth, but uh, I believe the fear of man is one of the strongest fears predominating in our current society. Um, so Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. He didn't say most of my fears. He didn't say my worst fears. He said all my fears. So according to the word of God, it is possible to live a life here on earth uh, free from fear and not to be controlled and dominated by fear. Uh, the message translation says, God met me more than halfway and he freed me from my anxious fears. So anxiety is a manifest manifestation of fear. Worry is a manifestation of fear. Dread is a manifestation of fear. So on the, the fear spectrum, we've, we've got on one end dread, which is very subtle. We don't, that's almost a subconscious thing, you know. Uh, you dread an appointment or you dread having to go somewhere or you dread having to talk to someone. That's uh, uh, on the lower end of the spectrum. Uh, it's very subtle. And then on the other end of the fear spectrum, you've got full-blown panic attack. And then you've got everything in between. Uh, but if you've been delivered from all fears, then you won't be afraid to go wherever the Lord tells you to go and do whatever he tells you to do. Um, we know where fear entered in at the very beginning. Uh, God created Adam and Eve. Uh, he created this entire planet for us to live on and enjoy and, and a, a playground just for man, really. So when people think God's not good, uh, he created an entire planet just for us to live on and enjoy. Uh, and every day, once, once he created, he had finished his creation and created Adam and uh, man on the sixth day, um, he used to come and visit with Adam and Eve in the garden. They would hang out together. They would fellowship together. They would visit together. And uh, up to this point in chapter 3 of Genesis, we don't have any indication that Adam and Eve were afraid of God. They weren't afraid of the animals. They weren't afraid of each other. Um, so they... We, we don't have any indication that there was any fear here. Uh, but then they disobeyed God concerning the fruit that he forbid them to eat. And the next time God came around to visit them, they were hiding. Yes. 
They hid themselves because now they were afraid of God. For the first time, they were afraid of God. So when sin came in, fear came in. And when sin came in, death came in also. If there had never been any sin, there would never have been any death. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. Hebrews 2.14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also likewise took part of the same, that through his death, he, Jesus, might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now, the word destroy here doesn't mean to remove or eradicate. We know the devil is still here. Uh, he hasn't been removed yet. But in the future, during the millennium, he's going to be removed from the earth for a thousand years and locked up in the bottomless pit. And for the first time in human history, we will not have any contact with the devil. And he will not have any contact with us. So the word destroy here, when, when it says Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, the word destroy means to paralyze or to incapacitate. And this is what Jesus did. He paralyzed the, the devil. Uh, verse 15 of Hebrews 2 goes on to say, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The easy-to-read version says, Jesus became like these people and died so that he could free them. They were like slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. When we think about the fear of death, we think about physical death, but it, it includes more than that. Uh, death is just separation. It's being uh, separated from something or someone that you love. Fear of losing something of value. Uh, so in that respect, fear of death could include the loss of something that you love or value. It could also be fear of not getting something that you want. So um, uh, these are related to the fear of death, even though they have nothing to do with physically dying. Um, people are afraid to get out of the house. Many people are in prison in their own home. This is exactly what happened during the Wuhan virus, China virus lockdown. People were uh, afraid to, to leave their house. They were afraid of getting sick. They were afraid of dying. They were afraid of not obeying government mandates. Pe preachers were afraid, uh, you know, not to, to go along. Preachers are afraid to preach on certain subjects in the Bible. There pre many preachers are prisoners in their own churches. Fear of losing something makes you subject to bondage. It's a type of prison. 
Romans 6.11 says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we need to recognize uh, and uh, recognize that our relationship to sin has been cut off. We've been cut off. Uh, from sin and all of its side effects. It, Jesus has broken its power over us. And one of the, the major reasons Jesus came was to deliver us from the bondage of fear. 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy, there's that word again, or paralyze the works of the devil. And fear is a major work, a major tool of the devil, and he uses it to control people. And the Bible says it's, it's a prison, it's bondage, it has torment. Uh, I heard a preacher say one time that a little fear is healthy. This is nonsense. This is nonsense. That is completely unscriptural. Deuteronomy 28.66 says, Fear is a curse, and no child of God should be living that way. So when we were born again, we, um, uh, we received a new spirit, the spirit of God. Before we were born again, we had a spirit that, uh, that, that produced fear. Um, and we inherited that from our parents, Adam and Eve. Uh, but now we've been born again. We have a spirit that does not produce fear. So fear has to come to us from the outside in because our spirit does not produce fear. It has to come from the outside in. And it's part of the curse that's on this earth. And it tries to make a slave out of us. Did Jesus paralyze the one who had the power of death? Yes, he did. Jesus has delivered us from the fear of death. So since Jesus has set us free, then we are no longer a slave to any fear. Fear loses its hold over us. Now, we've all experienced fear it's, it, because the devil's here, sin is here, so we are exposed to fear. But that doesn't change the Bible when it says that Jesus has delivered it from us. He has paralyzed its power over us. And freedom from fear is our inheritance as a child of God. In John 14, uh, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now the understood subject here is you. You don't let your heart be afraid. If Jesus said, don't let your heart be afraid, then it's possible for us to do that. If it wasn't possible for us um, to do that, then he had no right to expect us to do it. 
if it wasn't possible to live without fear, it would be unjust for Jesus to give us a command not to let it in. Uh, Jesus lived on this earth as a man, just like us. He was all God, but he was all man. He lived here on earth as a man. He was tempted with fear and everything else that we are tempted with, but he did not yield to it. Uh, Jesus was not afraid of demons. He was not afraid of sickness. He was not afraid of people. Um, I think if you had to describe Jesus in one word, it would be fearless. Jesus was fearless. Now, some people might say, well, if I was going to describe Jesus in one word, I would say love. Well, that's true. In uh, John, 1 John chapter 4 tells us God is love. And in verse 18, it says, where God's love is, there is no fear. God's perfect love takes away fear. Anyone who has fear does not have perfect love. So there's a, there's a connection between uh, Jesus being love in the flesh and also being fearless. Amen. He was fearless, not because he was a son of God, but because he had unbroken fellowship with the Father. He had the peace of God, and he knew he had authority over the devil. Because he has paralyzed the devil, fear has lost its grip on us, and we don't have to yield to it either, because he has freed it. Uh, freed us from it. He has broken its power over us. He has paralyzed the devil where we are concerned. So according to the Bible, it is possible for us as believers to be free from all fears. But many Christians are not. Many Christians are not free from all fears. But it's available and that's what we want to aim for. That's why we're talking about this. We, we're aiming for freedom from all fears. And today, uh, I wanted to mention specifically the fear of man. Because in our current generation and society, this is a very prevalent, uh, very strong spirit a uh, fear that's, that's gripping people and controlling them. Uh, I don't think we can escape the feeling of fear as long as we're here on the earth. I think we're going to feel fear, uh, but we don't have to yield to it. Feelings of fear and thoughts of fear are symptoms. And uh, like I said, I, I think as long as we're here on the earth and the devil's still here, uh, we're going to be in contact with it. Uh, we can't escape that, but we do have authority over it. And we have to cast down every fear-filled thought. Yes. Uh, Joyce Myers has a saying, do it afraid. Yeah. Don't, don't wait till, you're, till you have the absence of fear. Uh, to do something, 
whatever fear is trying to hold you back from, from doing whatever it is you need to do or God's telling you to do, don't wait for the absence of fear uh, to step out. Just do it afraid. You don't have to wait till that feeling leaves you. Proverbs 29, 25. Let's turn over there. Proverbs 29, 25. says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. The fear of what? The The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Now here are some other translations of this verse. It says, people are trapped by their fear of others. Another translation says, don't fall into the trap of being a coward. Another translation says, it is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. Another translation says, the fear of human opinion disables. I think that's pretty well encompasses uh, the whole verse there. Romans 8, uh, verse 14 and 15 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So if you're in a trap, you're in bondage. And if you're in bondage, Uh, You're slave to something. Uh, Now this verse that says, uh, verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. This agrees with 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. So uh, if you notice in Romans 8.15, you see the words fear, spirit, and bondage all used together. And in 2 Timothy 1.7, we see again uh, fear and spirit appearing together. So the spirit of bondage is the spirit of fear. And fear is not just an emotion or a mental state. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. And our our born-again spirit does not produce the spirit of fear. Uh, But if we are led, um, if we're led by fear, when when we go to make decisions and so forth, um, if we're being led by fear, we're not being led by the spirit of God. And this is a dangerous and a subtle thing. Uh, Through fear, many Christians have sometimes been robbed of most of God's plan for their life. People make decisions many times without even checking their spirit, not even trying to be led by the Holy Spirit. Boy, I wish I would have known this when I was about 17 years old. (laughs) 
you know, I, I was in church all my life, but I did not know that you could hear from God. I did not know that he wanted to lead you. I did not know he could lead you. I, even if he could, I didn't know how uh, it all worked. So I, I, like many people and Christians, just thought, well, we just make our own way and we just do the best we can and God will bless, bless it, you know, and hopefully we won't get too far off the track, you know. But boy, I wish I would have, I would have known uh, some of these things when I was about 17. But, uh, you know, from the time we get up in the morning till we go to bed, we should be checking our heart. Which way is the Lord leading me to go? Uh, when, when it comes to making decisions, jobs and schools should have nothing to do with making decisions. Uh, but that's two of the most uh, yes. top, top, topics, yes. factors that people use in making decisions. Uh, uh, they go where they, uh, you know, according to their job. Uh, even if it's, you know, they might leave a wonderful church and a wonderful community and uh, godly people to uh, go take a job on the other side of the country that only pays five pounds an hour more, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they wind up in a mess. I mean, look what Lot did, you know? He, he wound up in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. He thought he was choosing the best part of the land and yeah. he, uh, he, he plunged his whole family into disaster. So um, jobs and schools have nothing to do with making decisions about our life and what God wants us to do. And if we make decisions based on money or anything else, we're not being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's another, another factor that uh, uh, involved in, that many people use in making decisions is money. You know, yeah. they're led by money. Uh, am I going to get more money or am I going to lose more money? Uh, they never even factor in, is this where God wants me to be? Uh, and, and if it is, he'll make up the money, you know. Uh, but but they, many people, you know, we've all done this, made decisions based on money. And if we're led by fear, we're thinking, well, if I don't go, I'll miss it. Or if I do go... I'll miss it. Um, I heard uh, Joyce Meyer say, I, I know you, you're all familiar with her uh, personal testimony about how she was sexually abused by her father, but she said the whole, the whole time that that was going on, uh, her mother was aware of it, and her mother never ever opened her mouth one time about it. She never, she just pretended like the whole thing was not happening the entire time. Yeah. And Joyce said about 30 something years later, after she had left home, for the first time her mother apologized to her for allowing that to happen. 
And this is what her mother said. We're talking about the fear of man now. This is what her mother said. I was afraid of what people would think if I left your father. I was afraid of what people would say when the truth got out. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to support you and your brother financially if I left your father. So all of this was based on fear. This whole decision to do nothing and just stay silent and allow this to go on was all based on fear, fear of man. Isn't that what we saw in Proverbs 29, 25? The fear of man is a snare. Uh, Never factoring into account that the Lord would have helped her if she had stepped out and taken her children out of this horror story. Uh, You know, don't you suppose that the Lord would have helped her and sent people along uh, beside her to help her if she would have just stepped out and got her kids out of the situation? But everyday people make decisions based on the fear of people. You know, they make decisions on what they do and what they don't do. Where they go, where they don't go. What they're involved in, what they're not involved in. They're afraid of how people will react if you tell them the truth. They're afraid of what people will say or think. Afraid of what people will do or not do. And this is not being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not talking about being disrespectful or mean to people. We're not talking about that at all. We're not saying just going in there with guns blazing and saying, well, I don't care what people think. No, we're just, we're talking about people being afraid to step out and do something for God uh, and, and being led by God to do something or to speak to someone because of what other people will say or think. We do care what people think about us. I mean, it's not normal to want to be rejected. It's just not human nature to enjoy rejection. So we we don't enjoy being rejected, but uh, we do care about people, but not to the point that we miss God because of what other people might say or think. So if we have to choose between pleasing the Lord or pleasing people, then we've already made up our mind about that. We're going to please the Lord. And, and it can be, uh, you know, it, it can be tough, but we just have to make up our mind in advance, I think. We have to make up our mind in advance when it comes to pleasing people or pleasing God. We're going to please God. And that we're going to follow the Lord regardless of what other people might say or think. I can remember when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues, uh, the devil used fear to keep me from leaving the denomination that I was in at the time. And it was several years before I actually 
got the courage to to stand up and 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 walk walk out and 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 leave it behind, uh, and it was fear. Yeah, because he would he would uh, bring these thoughts to me like you better you better not get mixed up with those people you know speaking in tongues. Well, why was he so interested in keeping me out? You know, if if it if it was. Uh, if he didn't have a sinister reason for, for wanting to keep me out, he wouldn't have brought those thoughts to me. If it wasn't going to move me closer to God and uh, propel me forward spiritually, why was he bringing these thoughts to me? Why was he so interested in keeping me out? Uh, you know, he could keep me in the bondage. He was doing that because he wanted to keep me in the bondage of denominational traditions. So I, it was my fault. I let fear keep me out. Uh, I, I let fear keep me there for several more years before I left. The Holy Spirit will lead you out of trouble, not into trouble. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The spirit of fear will lead you into destruction and bondage. Yes. Uh, Proverbs 1, verse 27 in the New Living Version says, Fear will come to you like a storm. Hard times will come like a strong wind. Yes. When trouble and suffering come upon you. Yes. So, so uh, this is a scripture that tells us that, that fear is accompanied by destruction and trouble and suffering. Lamentations 3.47 says, Fear and a snare is come upon us. Desolation and destruction. Fear and what? A snare. There we see those two words together again. Sounds like Proverbs 29.25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. There are preachers afraid to preach on certain subjects in the Bible. Why? They, they won't, there are certain subjects in the Bible they won't touch with a 20-foot pole. Why? Afraid of what people will say or react. Afraid that people will leave. Afraid they'll stop giving to the church. Uh, I heard a story about um, uh, a pastor who was preaching on some things that upset the largest family in the church. And uh, not only had this family uh, been in the church, not only were they big givers to the church, but they had brought their whole extended family with them. So it was a large, a, a large family. And uh, they were major givers to the church. And the man confronted the pastor about what he was preaching, and he threatened to leave because of it. And uh, this is not uncommon. This happens in lots of churches. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where a, a, a big giver to the church will use uh, their giving as leverage to manipulate the pastor. Uh, and this is, a, this is just an example of religious politics, really. Uh, but the pastor said uh, to the man, well, we love you. 
uh, we don't want to see you go, but you cannot tell me what to preach. So the man and his family and the extended family all left. Yes. They all went with them. I told you were going to say that. And the pastor, when it happened, the pastor was, you know, like talking to the Lord about it, and the pastor said, well, Lord, there goes my biggest giver. And the Lord said, no, no, it's not. I'm still here. <laughs> he said, no, I'm still here. Your biggest giver's not gone. So that was a real comfort to the pastor. But this pastor is a real example of one of the rare breed who is a God-pleaser and not a man-pleaser. And I'm sure because that man stood up uh, and was saying, no, I'm pleasing God, I'm obeying God, I'm not going to be manipulated by people, I bet his church took off and probably grew like it never had before. And God replaced that other family with many, many other families. Uh, that, that's what, you know, that's what, we need to understand as well, you know, during all this Wuhan lockdown, um, so many pastors were unwilling to, to stand up uh, and speak and, and are afraid to speak out on many issues today because they're afraid that people will leave. But um, a lot of those churches that locked down, uh, the, where the pastor was fearful and so forth, a lot of them never opened back up again. They lost the whole thing. And the churches where the pastors were bold and courageous and so it said, no, we're meeting together. We're going to meet because the Lord has called us to meet. We're going to meet regardless. Those churches have exploded in growth and anointing. So God really honored these men and women's courage to, uh, to be God-pleasers and not men-pleasers. Um, in, in Galatians 2, 11 and 12, in the New Living Translation, um, Paul confronted Peter about a situation that he was involved in. Uh, and he tells Peter face-to-face, -face, you were wrong about this. And what happened here was, um, as you know, Peter uh, is the main man in the early church, you know, in the book of Acts and so forth. He's the main man. Mm -hmm. And Paul was not an original disciple. He was a, a newcomer. Mm -hmm. he, he did not, he was not one of the original 12 called by Jesus. Uh, we know his miraculous conversion. He, he was a newcomer on the scene. Uh, he came later on, and uh, there was some tension in the room when Paul confronted Peter. And uh, we, we read here in Galatians 2, it says, But when Peter came to Antioch, this is Paul writing, When P Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, in other words, when the Jews walked in, 
Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So, so Peter had been eating with the, the Gentile, non-Jewish believers all this time, but as, um, and uh, they were eating food that was forbidden for the Jews to eat under the law of Moses. But as soon as a, a Jews came in, the Jews yeah. came in from headquarters, yeah. Peter got up and left yeah. the Gentiles because he didn't want to be associated with them. He was afraid. He was afraid. Afraid of man. I can understand. The fear of man. Yes. The fear of man. And, and Paul confronted him about it, and he said, Peter, you ate, you know, you eat with the Gentiles, depending on who's looking, you know. Uh, if it was okay yesterday, it's okay today. And he says, you're a hypocrite. This is wrong. So Peter withdrew from eating with the Gentiles as soon as the Jews walked in the room because he was afraid of being criticized by the Jews. So this is a perfect example of the fear of man. The Passion Translation says, fearing how it would look to them. Yes. The Worldwide English Translation says, he, Peter, was afraid of what the Jews might think. Now, if that is not, uh, if, if that is not exactly what we are dealing with in society today, I don't know what is. People are afraid of what other people might think. There are preachers, uh, you know, that get sucked up into hypocrisy because of fear of people. And fear of man is one of the strongest fears in our current society today. We need uh, to be God-pleasers and not men-pleasers. Many preachers are afraid to speak the truth and proclaim God's word pertaining to social issues. The breakdown of the family, government overreach, moral depravity, violent crime, uh, they are afraid to speak out on these topics, even though surveys have shown uh, like seven out of ten Christians are desiring their pastor to preach on these things. They're being faced with this, these issues every day, and they're going to church on Sunday, and they're not getting any instruction from the Word of God. They're not getting any help uh, from the word of God on how to deal with these issues. And they're confronted with these things every day. I heard um, uh, Mario Morello say that he, speaking somewhere, it was two churches had come together, uh, meet, and he was speaking, and um, all, you know the preachers were on the front row. And he said um, to the people, he said, how many of you people have uh, how many of you parents have had uh, your children sent home for wearing from school for wearing a Christian T-shirt? And people raised their hands. He said, "How many of you have been uh, reprimanded at work for witnessing to somebody about Jesus?" 
some hands went up. And he mentioned several other things. And uh, um, uh, he then he looked at the preachers on the front row and he said, how many of you are preaching on these subjects on Sunday? And not one single hand went up. Not one single hand went up. So here are these parents dealing with these, uh, being confronted with these issues in society on a daily basis and they're getting nothing uh, you know no spiritual input no instruction from the Word of God about how to deal with it um, and, and it's because they're afraid that they'll lose people and subsequently they'll lose money so they don't want to touch these subjects with a 20-foot pole uh, children teenagers youth of today are afraid that um, if they don't go along with the crowd, that they will be canceled on Twitter, TikTok, and they will be unfriended on Facebook. There's huge peer pressure on children about conforming to this world uh, because uh, of they don't want to be disliked. Uh, they don't want to be uh, attacked on social media and so forth. Having a different opinion and having a biblical worldview was once the bedrock of a free society, but is no longer tolerated by the secular humanist culture. Uh, I'm sure that there are many uh, people who are not even Christians who are disturbed by the poisonous seed being deposited in their children through the spheres of education, media, and entertainment. Neither do they desire the harvest of consequences in the family, government, and society as a whole that is now manifesting itself on the streets of cities around the world. They're scared, they don't know what to do or where to turn. And the, the same is, is true with many Christians, and this is why some Christians are leaving their churches and going elsewhere because they're they're not uh, they're not they don't you know they've turned to the church there they're not getting any help so they're leaving and they're going somewhere else where they can get help. Um, the world is depending on us uh, to have the courage to stand up and speak the truth in love. The state of the nation is a reflection of the state of the church. The state of the nation is a reflection of the state of the church. And there's something more important than people. Uh, there's somebody more important than other people. And we should be more concerned about what God thinks than what people think. Yeah. Amen? Yeah.